Hello, welcome to episode five of the Riding the Pine podcast presented by KTSW Sports, breaking down the latest and greatest news in college sports world and beyond. If you missed any of the shows, you can find all of the KTSW podcasts on Texas State Student Media SoundCloud account and even more great stuff on the KTSW blog. I'm Andrew Zimmel, joined by the most valuable role player, the NVRP, Brendan Snow. Let's get it. Last show of the semester or year, whichever way you want to say it. Get into the end of the end of the college football, NFL starting to wind down. A lot of good stuff coming up. Jingle bells, Brandon smells. Yeah, I know. So this is the last show before the Christmas break. So this is, will have to hold you over uh, for as long as possible until we get back in the studio and knock out another one of these great podcasts. Today on the list, we have an embarrassing loss by the Texas State men's basketball team, a very solid performance by the women's team. Of course, all the picks Brendan got wrong last week in championship week, and then he throws some my way. Also, of course, the best thing of every single week, the worst audio of the week. Spoiler alert, it has to do with the Friday show again. You're going to want to stick around and listen to it. MVP, MVP, MVP. So, Brendan, last week we talked a little bit about uh, Thanksgiving and how that's such a great holiday. This week, this is the last show before we go into Christmas. So we kind of talked about it before. Christmas is sandwiched in between the holiness that is Thanksgiving when it comes to the best type of food and the greatness of New Year's Day, New Year's Eve with all those great football games. Christmas kind of fits right in to the package. It's really, to me, the best holiday. I, I enjoy Christmas the most. Yeah, the end of the year, always my favorite. Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, a lot of times the family, good food. The, the weather's colder, even though it hasn't been. I'm here right now, it's... You know, early in December, wearing shorts and a T-shirt, hoping, hoping it gets colder a little bit soon. But it's definitely one of my favorite times of the year. It's wild to me that Thanksgiving and Halloween, like that area right there, was colder for us than it is right now moving into Christmas. The only thing I will have to argue about Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Day uh, all being in a row is that the entire year you're kind of you know looking forward to that light at the end of the tunnel. Then you go through it, and you go right back into darkness for the rest of the year. Because how long it is. You have to go. All of a sudden, you start New Year's, and it's, you know, what am I looking forward to? Valentine's Day, February, no, March, nothing, April, eh. And summer, you get a little bit of a happiness again. A little bit of vibe. You on that you, summer? You, you get those two, three months, and it just goes downhill again until winter. Are you a winter guy or a summer guy? I, I feel like a flip-flop. I, I'm, leaning, I'm leaning more towards winter. I'm more of a winter guy. I burn easy outside. My birthday's in the summer, but I don't like being outside in the summer. I burn easy. I don't like swimming that much. More of a winter guy. Interesting, interesting. You're kind of a prisoner of the moment because we're in winter, so you enjoy winter more. Uh, no, for the most part, I try to stick with uh no matter what time of the year it is, I say winter. All right. Well, that's very interesting. Well, we're going to break down later in the show about uh, the amazing win that my team was able to have Sunday, the Minnesota Vikings, and how Brendan got that pick wrong, and how kind of crappy his team looked on Thursday night, and how they're going to kind of try to move into the rest of the year. My, my team won handily. <laughs> Before we get into that, we need to talk about the Texas State men's team, men's basketball team, uh, who ended up losing 71-52 to to not a very... Not a Power 5 opponent, not a Sunbelt opponent, but an FCS opponent, losing 71-52 to HBU. I think they're NAIA. Man, it does not get <laughs> does not get any easier for the men's basketball team. Not only do they lose handily, but Nigel Peterson doesn't have a terrible game. 6 of 19, 1 of 5 uh, from behind the arc. <clears throat> Has a pretty solid game, uh, to say the least, 16 points. But then you look at the rest of the roster, and it's just... Not great. 30% shooting uh, from the field. If you had two or three Nigel Pearsons, I feel like the entire game uh, might have gone the other way. But HBU heated up, 
and the men's team, uh, to say the least, did not. Yeah, and pump the brakes a little bit. We, you know, we love Nigel Pearson. He's a boy, and all we talked to him in, in the first episode of the podcast. Great guy to talk to. But his game, yeah, he led the team in scoring 16 points, which you expect. But, you know, 6 of 19 from the field and four turnovers. Not probably up to his standards. Not a great game, according to him. But he did what he had to do getting those points on the board. But, yeah, like you said, no other help. Next leading scorer, Marlon Davis, 8 points. Tyler Blunt, 6 points on 2 of 9 shooting. 0 of 6 on 3s. The team shot 2 of 20 on 3s. I don't know if you heard me, Andrew. 2 of 20. That's Say 10%. Say one more time. 2 of 20. 20. Now, who's pulling the trigger on 20 three-pointers? That's not that, the Danny Casper system. That's not the Danny Casper system, which really shocks me a lot because most of those threes, you get six of them from Blunt, five from Nigel. That's 11 right there. Golly. Then you get three from Trey Nottingham. Trey Nottingham comes in, attempts three points while only playing 13, uh, attempts three threes while only it's playing 13 minutes. And you, you miss the most important statistic on that Tyler Blunt uh, three-point percentage shooting. He went 0 of 6. Now he Not only did he take six threes, but he missed all six. It's that, it's that shooter's mentality, you know. Uh, was it J- Shooter's shoot. Is it, that JR, is it J.R. Smith that said that? I, uh, someone I'd said rather something like take that. a highly yeah. contested three. Oh, he said that one too, but there's another one, someone saying, I'd rather go 2 of 30 than 1 for 5 and show that I quit. Something oh, that's like Kobe that. Bryant. That was Kobe's. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's what uh, Tyler Blunt's working with a little bit, trying to show he didn't quit, keep, keep hoisting the shots up. You shouldn't quit while you were ahead. Uh, Will Garrett, who comes in for the Huskies, 7 of 11, uh, has 18 points. They had all five of their starters were in double digits, ending up... uh, You had something to say? I was going to highlight just that center, Josh Ibarra. That was a good player. When I was... I worked the basketball game earlier this week, uh, last week, and I'm working the Murray game next week. And and those shows... Always on the grind. In those shows, I was accidentally... I was prepping for the wrong team. I started prepping for this HBU team when I was supposed to be prepping. It's killing me now. I totally forgot who they played last week. I was prepping for the H- HBU game when I should have been prepping for the Texas A&M Corpus Christi game. And I was looking up Josh Ibarra. A kid is a 6'10 center who dominates. In that game, he had 14 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 blocks. Texas State can't... They, they don't have anybody to measure up to a, a big 6'10 guy, like low post guy like that, and kind of showed up in this one. So the real question is, how do you guys like this fall underneath the radar? I think you can kind of attest to that more than I could, because I, I think that you kind of have a better idea of just college athletics in general. How, how does something like that happen, Brendan, where somebody just falls underneath the radar like that? Because to me, if I was a recruiter, if I was a coach, and you know, I saw somebody 6'10 who has the potential to grab 17 rebounds from me in a Sunbelt conference that doesn't have a whole lot of big men, not a whole lot of teams... Uh, in the Sun Belt Conference, do a very good job of, you know, crashing the glass. A 6'10 guy would really help Texas State. How did he fall into an NIAT or whatever? Yeah, interesting. Uh, pulled up his profile and talks about him in high school. Two-year starter for Clint Anderson at uh, Angleton High School. Uh, as a senior, he averaged just 10 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 blocks a game. He was named the District 23-4A Defense Player of the Year. He had 10 blocks in a playoff game, in a Pi District playoff victory over Galveston Ball, he had 10 blocks in one game. He was named to the Guy V. Lewis Greater Houston Player of the Year Award preseason watch list. That's a mouthful. So this guy definitely had a pretty solid career. Yeah, in basketball is just so many teams, so many players. People I, fall through the cracks. Yeah, guys, yeah, exactly, fall through the cracks, and I think Ibarra was one of them. That That's something to say. Now, so the Texas State men's team, let's rank this as the worst loss that we've seen in the last two years. Because, I mean, I, I'm starting like the... Kind of the renaissance of Texas State men's basketball will start last year, where they exceeded expectations. Last year, every game that they should have won, they won. Every game that was kind of a coin flip, they found a way to either claw it out at the end or lose a close one. This year, it seems, 
team comes in with a lot of expectations, and I feel like they, I don't want to say regressed, but they haven't gotten any better, Brendan. Yeah, uh, last year they definitely still had some tough losses early, but you know they're we still know how they finished out because they lost early in the year to Texas Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who they just beat last week, and then they lost to UT Rio Grande Rio Grande Valley last year too. So definitely not you know a perfect season, but they they bounced back and won like you said one later in the season won the games they're supposed to won some games they weren't supposed to and stumbled their way into the Sun Belt Conference Championship game almost the NCAA tournament. Uh, so my thing is though, Brandon, four and four right now in the season. We talked about early season predictions. We thought this team might not go undefeated, but they weren't going to have a whole lot of losses. Four losses already in preseason. Now you have Murray, uh, uh, Abilene Christian, and Colorado State all coming up, uh, chalked up for later this week and next. I don't understand how this team is struggling so so much. Yeah, the la- last six games were games that were was a streak of games that we kind of looked at. They can go six and zero. Oh, maybe they let one fall, five and one when they played. Starting back on November eighteenth, Rio Grande Valley, Arkansas Pine Buff, Canisius, and Pacific, Pacific Corpus Christi A and M. And now in Houston Baptist, you know, of those six games, you expect Texas State to come out on top of most of them. They go four and two in that six game stretch, but still not really, you know, that impressive, especially losing that bad to Houston Baptist and barely beating Pacific. So interesting to see how they bounce back because they get two more, you know, lower end opponents. But once again, we've said it all the time, it's basketball. Anything can happen, really. You get McMurray on Wednesday, Abilene Christian on Saturday. Then you get a week off, a whole, you get a whole eight days off. So you go to Colorado State. And then you get, you know, another easy one in Ecclesia College. Then you get Rice. Boom. Sunbelt play. See, that's crazy. Five more games until you jump into Sunbelt play. I know I talk about it all the time that none of this really matters. The second half of the schedule of Sunbelt Conference really uh, we should care about. But losses like this, to me, big losses like this, 20-point losses to teams that you should handily defeat, uh, it makes me nervous. Not not so much nervous, but kind of pissed off that we can't win these heavy games. Yeah, it's, it's- I mean, definitely you should be upset about it, but, you know, hopefully Danny Casper being such a renowned coach and how long he's been a coach, he knows how to bounce back, knows how to, you know, maybe get some energy from these things, knows how to build off of it. So I'm looking forward to see how him and, him and the team responds on this game on Wednesday because for them to show that, you know, they're a better team than what they're showing right now, they need to come out on Wednesday and have a really good outing. Tuesday, the women's basketball team plays UTSA at home. We saw this last week. Let's jump into this because we can put a pain in basketball for a second and get more into college football. Texas State football is over, thank God, so we can talk about the other teams going around. A lot of teams went bowling yesterday, Brendan. They announced all the bowl games. Uh, what was one team that didn't go bowling? A 6-5 a and five UTSA team did not. A 6-5 and five UTS team did not. The Roadrunners didn't get in a bowl game. And personally, Brendan... I kind of kind of feel like this is a good thing for him. A little bit of humble pie. You know, they were the biggest team on the come up. Uh, a lot of people thought they might go undefeated uh, actually in conference play. You know, not not the way that you thought this team was going to finish out after a 30-point blowout victory in San Marcos against Texas State. But I mean, not every team is as uh, as easy as a win as Texas State. So, UTSA doesn't go bowling. Everybody in the San Antonio, greater San Antonio area, uh, kind of, you know, gets mad. The fans get mad for a second. Then they remember they're not really UTSA fans. They're actually Texas fans in the first place. So they can go now watch the uh, UT Longhorns. Um, so to me, none of no, there might be like a couple people pretty angry about this, maybe a couple students. But my suspicions were confirmed. I don't think a lot of these fans are, you know, UTSA fans. I feel like they just live in San Antonio. You know, they root for the team. They didn't make the playoffs. Oh, great. We can just go root for, you know, the team we've been rooting for for the last 30-plus years. Root for 
uh, University of Texas. Yeah, talk about you know a team falling off. UTSA after that hot three and zero start, beating Baylor. That game, you know, seventeen ten. They beat uh, Texas Southern fifty one seventeen. They beat Texas State forty four fourteen. They're looking really good, scoring a lot of points. Then just they turn into a different, a completely different team. They lose the. They they lose to Southern Mississippi. They lose to UNT. They barely beat Rice. They they handily beat UTEP. Lose to FIU. Lose to UAB, who didn't even have a football program two years ago. I mean, things just went downhill for them. UAB woke up one morning and said, "We're gonna have a football team this year," and then kicked uh, UTSA. It's it's gonna be tough for UTSA. They see nine other conference USA teams go bowling, and they're one of the uh, one of the five that get left out. That's tough to be UTSA. Better luck next year, guys. Uh, so now moving back on to women's basketball, the women's basketball team plays UTSA. We saw a lot of uh, animosity uh, from those fans this last week on social media. I don't see them coming out to San Marcos as heavily as they did for the men's basketball game. But with that still kind of the same uh, fan base, I could see them coming to San Marcos. I could see this being a good game. I don't really know how great of a team uh, UTSA's women team is. I do know this, though. Texas State's team is coming in pretty hot right now. One game winning streak, 2-1 and one at home, and they've been able to kind of rack up these last couple games pretty good. Frisco, or Fresno State, they won. Houston uh, was a close 172-67 loss, and then Prairie View A&M handily uh, defeated. So UTSA is just, I feel like, another roadblock in the road for this women's team who is coming out very hot this year, doing a, very, a lot of things very well. Yeah, another chance for them to... You know, last chance for them until a while. This is their last home game until January fourth for them to show off their their high scoring powered offense that they have. In their in their home game so far against Fresno State, they scored seventy six. Against that in that Houston close loss, they scored sixty seven. In the Prairie View A and M win, they scored eighty four. We know this team. This, we know this team can score. We've seen it from Taylor Deere. We've seen it from Tosh Roy Levitt. Bunch of players getting in, helping on the scoring. So it'd be another good opportunity. Last time at home, first for for a, for a whole entire month. Last game at home. Look forward to them showing out, putting a lot of points on the board. And that next home game that they have is against South Alabama, which means Sunbelt play has already started for the team. So that's going to be a pretty good game. I'm pretty excited to see. Tashua Levitt has come out, and I feel like we can do this little, a little bit date uh, debate period right here, Brendan. We can do a little debate period right here, Brendan. Uh, we can talk about Tashua Levitt versus Taylor Deer, where I'm kind of right now feeling Taylor Deer is the, you know, and I thought they, she was the engine of this team. Tasha Levin has come out and been more of a consistent scorer, in my opinion at least, uh, than Taylor Deer. You know, got to love them both. Me, personally, I lean towards Taylor Deer because Tasha Levin, she's got to show a little bit more to me than just that she can hoist up some threes. In her games this year, the first game of the year, she attempted 14 shots, all of them are threes. Second game against Incarnate Word, she attempted nine shots, all of them are threes. TCU, she attempted nine shots, eight of them are threes. She's an assassin. What do you want from her? It, it, it's, it's absolutely insane that she's attempted 91 shots in the season. 79 of them have been threes. She's an assassin. <laughs> what can I say? Levitt? And, and when she's knocking them down, you know, that's great. They're fantastic. But sometimes uh, when you have a lower game, like against Houston, when they, the game they lost, she was 5 of 20. She was 5 of 22 from the field, 3 of 17 on threes. So it definitely reflects. I can see her coming out and being a solid scorer as Sunbelt Conference play starts. She was a very solid scorer in the Sunbelt Conference tournament. Uh, teams, okay, fine. You want to say t- you'd rather have Taylor Deere. That's fine. Uh, but Joshua Levitt, to me, if you're going to not put a 1, it has to be 1B at least. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, I'm not trying to take away Joshua Levitt at all because 
her scoring ability is just that phenomenal. She's scoring double digits every game this year, except the TCU game. She scored over 20 points uh, th- over three times this year. She scored 17 that last game as Prairie View A&M. Her scoring is definitely needed. They, I guess that's what they want from her. That's what Coach Z and the team wants. They want her to be hoisting up those threes, uh, make the defense guard her, spread the team out a little bit, make it a little bit tougher to guard. And it's just so big. But I think I, I still lean towards Taylor Deer being the main player in that offense. She's more of a distributor. She's a, She definitely uh, averages more assists. She scores getting to the basket in a, a various of different ways. So I, I'm still leaning towards Taylor Deer as the, the senior leader of that team. All right, Brandon, I'm going to let you throw – I'm going to throw the alley-oop to you on this one for Worst Audio of the Week. Guys, these last couple weeks have been a lot of fun talking about Worst Audio of the Week. When we come back uh, next semester and do it, hopefully we have a little bit more polarity, a little bit more uh, Worst Audio from the Monday show. The Friday show has been able to give us some of the funniest segments I've ever heard uh, in my entirety uh, living on planet Earth. This week, however, it we take it to another level, Brendan. Yeah, so we listen. Me and you were. This was before you came in. I was listening to the Friday show on of the Bobcat Radio last Friday. I'm listening. It's the same group as always: Parker Ray, Reed Graff, Alex Gibbs. Wow, you really throw them out there. <laughs> and I was just I was seeing your reaction. When I said Alex Gibbs. Those three on the show. I'm listening. They have Micah Dinwiddie calling to the show, and this is in the midst of the tournament of the NIVC tournament and all that. So very good call to have. Micah Dinwiddie had some fun conversations. And then they start talking about what's your pregame, what's your pregame playlist? What do you listen to get pumped up? And they're like, oh, you know, we whatever the team's playing, blah blah blah. You know, we get, you know, we kind of get live and dance. And Parker's like, oh, Parker Ray says, oh, if you like me, you know, you just kind of move around, you can dance to any song. And then he, he then he goes out to say this very, I don't know, just odd quote right here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're like me, you can just kind of dance and boogie to anything that's playing so you know i'm a i'm a multicultural guy i assume you're a multicultural girl so that works out yep it could not be overstated how interesting uh bobcat radio is if you don't listen to the shows you should 11 to noon every monday wednesday friday on ktsw well not anymore it's going to be different um don't listen these next couple weeks but when we come back when you hear the first podcast start listening again uh but anyway bobcat radio that it's interesting. They, they, the the Friday show is really relaxed. It's really it's fun. Show. Very relaxed. It's Cre- credit to them. They're 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 a fun show. They're casual relaxed. Fridays. Exactly. Easy. All right, Brandon. Let's break down how you did so poorly last week uh, in the pickums. You know, I'm really tired of you throwing these bad adjectives at me. Okay. They. So, Stanford USD Pac-12 championship. I was leading the Stanford. Didn't go that way. It was a close game. Always trust Sam Darnold. See, you you've never said that once all year. So interesting. <laughs> Then I had Saturday Miami versus Clemson. I took Clemson. They won that handily. That counts two wins. Uh, Ohio State versus Wisconsin. I took Ohio State. Bam! I'm sitting there at two and one, looking good heading into Sunday. And then you made your mistake. Then you give me the two toughest NFC games possible: Minnesota at Atlanta. I, Wasn't yeah. a tough game. All you had to do was battle the Vikings. Yeah, I, I, you know things happen. You know we saw the Eagles get beat up by Seattle on Sunday night. So I thought maybe Atlanta could have a chance to not not beat up the Vikings, but play. Play well, at, try to protect their home field, get that offense going a little bit, and you know they had been playing better the past few weeks. Didn't happen. Minnesota wins that one, fourteen to nine. Fourteen to nine. Also, Case Keenum shows again that he is an MVP candidate. The Vikings defense is looking the best that they have looked uh, in probably close to five or six years. This is the best defense that they've ever, to me, put together. Uh, the the Atlanta Hawks, could, or I'm sorry, the Atlanta Falcons, 
The Atlanta Falcons couldn't put anything together. They couldn't get a running game going. Uh, Matt Ryan reverted back to Matty Ice. Julio Jones looked like the fifth best wide receiver in the league. You know, he didn't look like, you know, this guy that was supposed to be the, quote, best receiver in the league. The Minnesota Vikings stomp out the Falcons. It's always great for me, Brendan, because this is a team that knocked the Vikings out of the uh, playoffs, I want to say in 1998, uh, in the NFC Championship game. So I have this animosity in the pit of my gut against the Atlanta Falcons every time they play. Real quick, if you are still listening to the podcast, if you haven't turned off after Andrew said Case Keenum MVP conversation, we can get to that another time. A guy with 14 touchdowns in the year, not an MVP candidate, but moving on. Carolina at New Orleans. I thought New Orleans lost the week before. I thought Carolina Carolina lost to New Orleans at home early this year. I thought they'd get some revenge, keep that NFC South interesting. The Saints looked pretty good in that game. Carolina also just didn't look that good no, on their Cam, side either. Cam Newton does not, hasn't looked good to me in the last two he, or three he, years. He, he, no, he's been really up and down this uh, this year. He's had some re- earlier in the year and he beat the Patriots. He had some really up games and it just went downhill. And he's just been, he's been really flexy. Peaks and valleys. So that led me to go from 2-1 and one to 2-3, and three, losing those two NFL games on Sunday. Probably should have collected like the our overall so far, unless we're waiting for that for the whole entire. We can we can do it right now. I know I was five and five uh, before go, going in. I was five and five uh, coming into these picks this week. So this would make you probably you went to what you were. I was four and one the first week, right? Four and one. So now you're six and you're six and four. So five and five, six and four. Okay. So okay. you're one, you have one pick better than me. Okay. Let's okay. go. And this is gonna be you. I got them in. Last time you got mad. I got them in order. What dates they come on. Good so, stuff. All right. So Friday night, Boston Celtics at San Antonio Spurs. Those are your two favorite teams. So this is tough because <laughs> to me, both of these teams, not, neither one of these teams really cares at this point. It's December. The games don't really matter as much as, you know, games in April or May. Uh, but it is in San Antonio. I've really liked the way LaMarcus Aldridge has been playing these last couple weeks. Um DeJounte Murray is, you know, he's doing really well. They've had a couple really good wins in the past. I'm going to go with Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs at home against the Boston Celtics. It's really tough, though, because Kyrie Irving has been a Spurs killer in the last couple of years, putting up, you know, 30-plus points. Like, I want to say the last couple of times he's come into San Antonio, he put up 44 uh, one time coming into San Antonio. So he's been a really big uh, thorn in the Spurs' side. I still like the Spurs in this game. I honestly thought you'd be taking the Celtics. We know we heard Kyle Anderson just went down for the Spurs. Kawhi's not back yet. Some question marks at the small forward position. A lot of question marks at the small forward position, but I do think that this is arguably the two top coaches. Like, take Mike D'Antoni, throw him out, Steve Kerr, throw him out, because they have a lot of good talent. But if you just talk about, like, good coaching, Greg Popovich, Brad Stevenson, it's, you know, it's there. So I think Greg Popovich outmatches him uh, coaching-wise, and that's kind of where this game is going to go. All right, moving on. One college football game in action this weekend. It's the best college football game of the year. Ar- Army Black Knights versus the Navy Midshipmen. Navy comes in as three-point favorites. I'll tell you this, Army 8-3 and three on the season, Navy 6-5. and five. But those games are toss-up. Navy has been dominating Army for the past few years. I should protest this because, again, this is another one of those college football games that doesn't really matter. Oh, we're, you just upset a lot of people. We're going to go with Navy. We're going to say Navy over Army. Go Navy. Going with the midshipmen. I'm saying it doesn't have any playoff implications. No, but it's 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 just it's tradition. It's historic. And I, I was, my family doesn't care that much. My brother was in the Navy. Both my parents were in the Army. So it's always a little just interesting to keep up with. Good stuff. Navy. Go Navy. Here we go. We've got a slate of three NFL games on Sunday. First one, 5-7 and seven New York Jets at the 3-9 and nine Denver Broncos. The toilet bowl, if you will. 
So if you've been keeping up with this, Brendan always tries to trip me up with these NFL games that aren't going to be on prime time, and they, you know, they don't have a premier quarterback. Trevor Simeon has looked really, really, really bad. I do think that John Elway and the Broncos at this point are trying to tank. I think the Jets never got the memo uh, to tank, so I'm going to go Jets in Denver. Jets in Denver. Then also right after that, ten and two Eagles nine at nine and three Rams. Eagles just got maybe. Not exposed, but they're just showing that they're human on Sunday against the Seattle. How do they bounce back against the Rams? The Rams have been playing uh, really well. This is probably the best I've seen the Rams play in my lifetime. Um, I want to say my heart says Rams, but my head says Eagles. Carson Wentz has shown to be an MVP caliber player. Uh, the running game didn't really get off the ground last night against Seattle, which was inter- interesting because I didn't think that uh, Seattle's run defense was that great. Uh, but Jay Ajayi, uh, Carson Wentz, I really like Alshon Jeff. I really like the way that this team is built. I'm going to take them over the Rams. And then the last game, sticking with some NFC West action, but also team you're very interested in, eight and four Seattle at eight and four Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh, okay. This is another tough one because Blake Bortles is the king of bad quarterbacks. Like if you did a roundtable of terrible quarterbacks, he would be uh, King Arthur, and Joe Flacco would have to be Lan- or Lancelot. So. Breaking this down. So I like Blake Bortles. I like uh, their defense. The Seattle Seahawks don't have an offense. So this really could be a coin toss uh, to me. I'm going to go with Jacksonville because I don't think the Seattle Seahawks defense is going to go anywhere. And unless uh, Fournette, knock on wood, doesn't, something doesn't happen to him, doesn't twist his ankle or something, I like the Jaguars against the Seahawks in this game. Interesting. I think that's going to be a more fun game to watch than... You know, the, didn't the name say, but I'd be interested, a little bit interested in seeing Seattle's front line, Jaguars' front line, because Jaguars, for a long time, tried to model themselves off of Seattle and what they did with uh, with Gus Brad when Gus Bradley was down mm-hmm. there and the former defense coordinator. So they, they they try to almost like a mini Seattle what they have in Jacksonville is what they want. So Brendan, we're not going to get to talk until the NFL playoffs really get moving. We'll come back in January and kind of pick this back up. Give us a little bit of an idea where you think sports are going to be uh, coming into. The new year. So you pretty much now get to pick your ch- national champion. You kind of get to pick like who you think is going to win some of these big bowl games. This is your chance to really, you know, come out here and do something. Oh, yeah. We didn't even really get to talk about the college football playoff. Uh, I'm it's, it's going to be Clemson or Bama. They play each other in the first round. It's going to be it's going to be one of them two again. I think it's going to win it because uh, you don't like I, I don't, don't like, like Baker don't, Mayfield. Don't like Georgia. And I, yeah, I haven't loved the Sooners at all this year. Just I don't know if I'm anti Sooner or what. I just no matter what the Sooners do, I just won't ever really trust them and I, I feel like they've had too many side distractions and too many problems with Baker Mayfield on and off the field so that someone's going to step up and knock OU down here's what I'm going to say if Alabama can beat Clemson which I think they can because the ACC is you know very weak I don't think Alabama uh, played very well this year but I do think that they're going to be able to beat Clemson in this rematch game Nick Saban is a better coach than Dabo Sweeney um, so I think that he's going to figure out a way to fix that. Going into the national championship game, though, so I have Oklahoma over Georgia because, again, I think the SEC East is pretty weak and have Georgia in there as kind of a testament to them propping up the SEC East. I think Oklahoma beats Georgia in big games. Nick Saban hasn't, I want to say he hasn't really been very good against, you know, NFL-ready quarterbacks. You know, Deshaun Watson put up big numbers against him two years in a row which we haven't ever seen before in the Nick Saban era. I think Baker Mayfield comes in and make this is, makes this a really interesting game. The defense for the Sooners really isn't there to me. 
I like Alabama as national champions again, but I think Baker Mayfield is going to put up a lot of big numbers and make a lot of NFL uh, scouts uh, kind of question where, what they think because he kind of reminds us of Johnny, kind of doesn't. I think he's a better quarterback than Johnny Manziel was, but with more off-the-field issues, which yeah. is really saying something. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot of comparisons even he's been getting. And then, that, you know, that'll wrap it up. College football, excited for all that to happen. Bowl, Baker Mayfield love, wins the Heisman. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's no doubt. Love bowl season. I'm gonna try to go to some bowl games while if I'm at, while I'm at home for things when I'm at home for Christmas. But someone you could just good games, just fun opportunities. Shifting to the NFL, the regular season be, be will be about wrapped up. So, real quick, I'm gonna get my playoff teams each, in each conference. In the NFC, it, uh, no no order really. Maybe in order. We'll see. In the AFC. It's going to be the Patriots winning their division, the Steelers winning theirs. Both of them are have a bye week. Tennessee is going to hold on to win the AFC South. Here's what's interesting: the AFC West. Give me the San Diego Chargers. They're tied for first, with a three-way tie with Kansas City and Oakland, all six and six. I like the way the Chargers are playing. They they have they have a better team than you actually think. They just lose so many close games. I think the Chargers they have win. a field goal kicker. That's been killer. I think they win the AFC West. I think Baltimore snags a playoff spot, snags a wild card. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to come to that last wild card spot. It's going to come between Kansas City, Jacksonville, the Raiders. And it might stay with Jacksonville. So your playoff picture would be the Patriots, Steelers, Titans, Chargers, Ravens, Jaguars. I like same, I kind of the same, but flip the Titans and the Jaguars. I think that the Titans uh, don't hold on. I think the Jaguars win the AFC South. Uh, and flip the Chargers and the Chiefs because Alex Smith isn't a great quarterback, but I think that he has more consistency than Philip Rivers' team does. I think a Philip Rivers team, uh, well, I don't think they'll make it. So I think I have Patriots, Steelers, Jacksonville, Titans, uh, Chiefs. And then shift over to the NFC. The Vikings hold on to get the one seed. Eagles are going to win. They're going to win the the North. Eagles win the East. We get the two seed. The door half first round buys. I think, I think Seattle comes back to win it. Win the NFC West over the Rams. I think the Rams slip to a, pl- a wild card spot. There's mm-hmm. experience, leadership, stuff like that. You know, it's Sean McVay is a really young coach. Jared Goff's a young a quarterback, second year, second year quarterback, and he wasn't even full time last year. Things might get a little rough from them down the stretch. Yeah, I don't. I never put my trust in young quarterbacks. Last year, everyone was hopping on Dak to lead Hold the Cowboys. On. Carson two- Wentz is pretty young. Yes, but but he also I don't know, his, his team's been all around really good, and you probably won't see me picking the Eagles in the playoffs. I don't pick young quarterbacks like that. Last year, everyone's on Dak Prescott train. Mm-hmm. I was saying a rookie's never made it to the Super Bowl. You guys need to calm down. You guys need to calm down. People don't listen to me. Interesting. The Saints hold on to take the NFC South. So that top four teams: Vikings, Eagles, Seahawks, Saints. They probably be Saints three, Seahawks four. The two wild card spots: the Panthers get one, and it's gonna come that last playoff spot's gonna come down between the Rams. Falcons, Lions, Cowboys. I'm, even, I'm not going to count the Packers because they have Brett Hudley at quarterback. That last playoff spot comes down the right there. I don't. I don't think the Rams slip out. I think that's the top. Your top six right there. I like that too. I'm going to flip, but I think that the Seahawks don't make it. I think that this is going to be a team that struggles in the last half of the season. Uh, I. I really I want the Seahawks to make it. I enjoy watching them play. And if they do make it, they're going to get embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs. Have some tough games coming up. Ram. They have next games are Jaguars, Rams, Cowboys, and Christmas Eve Cardinals. Yeah, so that potentially could be four losses. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility. So I'm going to say the Falcons make it. You have three teams out of the NFC South making it, uh, proving me once again wrong that the NFC South isn't very good. So I'm going to go Vikings. It's going to be a Vikings, Eagles, 
NFC Championship game in Minnesota who hosts the Super Bowl. I like the Vikings in that playing the New England Patriots coming into Minnesota. The Vikings win the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that when it comes time. Thank you guys for listening to the Riding the Pine podcast. Don't forget to get like and subscribe wherever you can get podcasts. Don't forget to get off the bench and get out there. And never, ever, ever bet on the Buffalo Bills. Thanks.